Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at one in the morning, that's me saying, hey, I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. <laughs> nice, right? Yeah, upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Hey guys, welcome to this super special episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast because today we're going to celebrate and cheer for Kimi Raikkonen's victory. Yay! <laughs> I guys, I know it's been a few days since the race result, but you know what? I am still celebrating and I know that there are tons of y'all out there still celebrating. Just like Kimi would have liked our Kunal 14 days of partying or something. What was his statistic? <laughs> He claimed he had a small party after Austin or small party. whatever. Five days. Yeah, but the reason why we are a day late this week is because Mithila was still celebrating Kimi Raikkonen's party, and I know she had a lot of beer on Monday. Maybe she was also hungover, like you know, Raikkonen <laughs> said. It just takes longer at this age or whatever. I'm not that old. It's fine. But um, yes, Kimi Raikkonen's win was phenomenal. It was like the Raikkonen of the past. You know, he was precise. He was error-free, but he was actually far more emotional after the race when you know than what we've seen him uh, before ever before actually and you know i loved his interview and he said something like oh my family wants the pirelli cap that the winner gets i know i can buy it but that's not right <laughs> it was so funny that's very typically nordic you know very honest cutthroat and all of that but for kimi and maybe even robin raikkonen because i think he spoke about his son i really hope that he clinches a pole position before the season ends because uh, he badly wants one his son badly wants one of the smaller pirelli tires so to say and actually given ferrari's resurgence i know it's a it's a late resurgence in the uh, season a pole position might actually be possible and uh, also let me put it this way it would be kimi's second pole of the season and what would help is that the pole position would depend more on kimi than on ferrari and you know we've typically seen how they can make all the wrong decisions especially when it comes to kimi raikkonen but you know kunal while you were speaking all that i had this epiphany i think i finally figured out what ferrari needs to do to motivate kimi raikkonen which they is... need his family to ask for souvenirs that only race winners and pole sitters get basically <laughs> that's the only way to motivate him to drive his well the initial <laughs> The initial motivation used to be the champagne on the podium and now Kimi's a family man so <laughs> that is actually a brilliant idea thank you Yeah and frankly I know I'm not the only one who felt that Ferrari had taken the wrong decision by pitting Raikkonen under the virtual safety car I was like oh my god not again but And I'm pretty sure that Mercedes actually took the right decision and I still stand by it but anyway in this week's episode we are still celebrating Kimi Raikkonen's win in the United States Grand Prix. And we're going to tell you why the F1 live events aren't an accurate representation of our sport of Formula 1. And what Force India should be named? I mean, apart from being Racing Point Force India, they're going to have a new name in December. We tell you a cool name that they should definitely use. Does Sebastian Vettel miss having a mentor in Formula 1? And of course, there is moments in time with Lucian later on in the show. So, 
रिमेंबर टू सब्सक्राइब टू अस ऑन आईट्यून्स एंड ऑन ऑडियो बूम फॉर योर वीकली डोज ऑफ फॉर्मूला वन ह्यूमर Yes, I guess the United States Grand Prix is a really great proof for Formula One to build a case on. Ankaral, I've been thinking about this, offering the teams limited opportunities to gather data, and then suddenly we have everyone running different strategies in an attempt to win, and the race becomes so interesting. Yes, the top three in the United States Grand Prix ran different strategies. Talking of which, uh, Pirelli is going to use only three colors next year, and. for the first time when i heard this story i was like oh my god thank you very much because they were already running out of names you know for all their tire compounds yeah i was wondering and betting about when they would announce the super hyper ultra soft tire <laughs> <laughs> well in my view three colors is actually good especially for the new viewers of formula 1 and for regular followers like us you know we're going to be dumb fools we are still going to get into like Oh, what compound was this tire last year actually, and did it suit this particular team or not? You know, was it the hyper or the ultra or the super soft? So, yeah, I think I'm definitely going to go down that road. <laughs> the F1 geeks, you know, could uh, I suddenly you've made using just three colors just so complex? <laughs> <laughs> But this is Formula One. The only thing simple in this sport is actually our podcast. You can go to any audio streaming platform on earth, and you will find us. Awesome I'm going to talk about the F1 Live Festival that was held in Miami and this was obviously on the Saturday of the United States Grand Prix and it was live streamed on YouTube. Uh I think that the F1 Live Festival was not the most accurate representation of the sport. I mean they ran V8 engines in the demo cars. I'll tell you what I felt was even worse uh was that the live stream was actually during the form up uh, during the fp3 broadcast which means that fans had to choose uh, you know whether to watch the f1 live in miami on youtube which was free or you know whether to watch fp3 on paid channel broadcast and in my view this is cannibalization you know like formula 1 themselves are hinting that hey guys fp3 might not be as important for the viewers as like the f1 live Yeah the F1 live festivals also have cars doing donuts and that's obviously something cars don't do at regular racing weekends unless you're Sebastian Vettel <laughs> And in the F1 live festival a Renault demo car broke down and I can tell you that's an actual representation of what actually has been happening in Formula 1 these days <laughs> especially if it's a Daniel Ricardo powered Renault car or whatever um but actually you know to me what was even worse is that uh, the organizers used a two wheeler to entertain the audiences when the reno actually broke down and that to me was wrong on just so many levels yeah it's like oh if formula 1 doesn't entertain you or if formula 1 breaks down switch to moto gp <laughs> <laughs> which Reminds me. Congratulations, Mark. Mark has five MotoGP titles in the same time that Kimi Raikkonen needed between his most recent wins in Formula One. I know you hate that stat. Yeah, but congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> And I absolutely loved Kimi Raikkonen's defense over Lewis Hamilton just before he pitted for new tires, and uh, that played a, a crucial part in him winning the race. So. Phenomenal stuff, Kimi Raikkonen. Frankly, I am just so glad that the 2013 Australian Grand Prix, basically his last win, wasn't his last victory before he left Formula One. 
Uh, this victory in, in the United States Grand Prix, I think it's a good way to bid goodbye to Ferrari. But personally, I'm also a little greedy and I'm wondering if he can, you know, swing one more <laughs> surprise pole or victory or something before the season ends. Yeah, and the stranger, stranger part here is his last Ferrari victory was in, I think, Belgium 2009 or some point. So he's really been fragmented when it comes to his most recent wins. But there's going to be a lot of drivers bidding goodbye to a lot of teams come Abu Dhabi. And Daniel Ricciardo is going to be one of them. He's going to be saying bye-bye to Red Bull Racing. And uh, he's actually not going to be allowed to test either the Red Bull or the Renault for 2019. And that's a strange position to be in, especially given that they're going to be testing like the, the new Pirelli tires that are going to be used next year. But I also feel that 12 days of pre-season testing in 2019 should be enough to sort of understand these tyres, especially given the level that these guys, you know, eventually end up racing at. I think it's only fair that Red Bull Racing thinks of Daniel Ricciardo as a rival already. That said, Mattia Binotto could be on his way to Mercedes and uh, Ferrari's power unit gains and their political battle, I think it might just work in Mercedes' favour. Yes, and I read that James Allison, who only just left Ferrari, might be on his way to Renault. And I really wonder if this is something Daniel Ricciardo knew of before he signed for Renault. And uh, since we're on Ricciardo, he also said that he's targeting a world championship win in 2021. But he's not said with which team, because from what I know... His Renault contract is only till 2020. So that's pretty cheeky of Daniel Ricciardo. That is a damn good point. (laughs) And Kunal, this leaves Ferrari without a technical director. Oh wait, you know how uh, Sebastian Vettel is literally leading the team via his Pitoka radio? I'm not surprised if Vettel goes on and takes that role too, you know, (laughs) the new technical director of Ferrari. This sort of ties in with our What's Next for Sebastian Vettel episode that we had like a couple of weeks ago. But... You know, that's the thing about Formula One. You know, I get several people asking me what it takes to work in Formula One. And, you know, there's a way to actually work yourself up from junior series and into Formula One. But the key personnel in Formula One, it's always been a closed circle. And if you were to take Ross Braun or Adrian Newey or James Allison, you know, and James Key, even the new, the newer technical directors, all these guys end up moving literally from one top team to another. And... So the opportunities for people to take their places are, you know, far less. Uh, And this is probably because of the whole competitive nature of Formula One. And maybe I sort of understand why as well. But this would also mean that Mauricio Arriva Ben has won the political battle at Ferrari. Or should I say war? And frankly, I'm not too sure what to make of that. I'm also wondering if it would be, you know, so nice if it was this easy for the drivers to, to kind of move around in the paddock. Because Fernando Alonso would have been in like a Mercedes or a Ferrari or going by his claims, even in a Red Bull, you know, many times over in a Red Bull for that matter. Um, And, you know, he's just gone on record to say that he had an offer for Red Bull in 2019. And this is like literally a few minutes before we started recording this episode. But we spoke of the United States uh, being Kimi Raikkonen's last possible win in Formula One. And I really wonder if Daniel Ricciardo clinched his last win in Formula One in Monaco this year. And I was speaking to Hendrik Norem uh, the other day. You know, he's a friend, he's a listener, a big Formula One fan from Norway, also a big Ricciardo and Fernando Alonso fan. And, and you know, he, he was quick to point out that if Ricciardo's engine would have succumbed in Monaco, and we all actually know what happened, and if Verstappen hadn't messed up in China... 
maybe Ricardo wouldn't wouldn't have won a single race in 2018. Yeah, wait, that would mean no Ricardo on the podium in 2018, and and that obviously means no Shuis on the podium. Oh my God, uh, Kunal, I really hope that Ricardo gets onto the podium one last time with Red Bull Racing before the end of the season. Uh, hoping against all odds, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you're back onto this whole one last time thing. So I'm pretty sure if we were to just stick to that theme, Esteban Ocon would be trying his best to get onto the podium for Force India, especially to prove to the team that they have gone ahead with the wrong driver choice. And for Carlos Sainz, actually, it would be scoring points in as many races. Because frankly, I don't think any of us know what McLaren's form is going to be like in 2019. And since we're at it, maybe a surprise podium for Fernando Alonso as well. I mean, I would really wish for that. But uh, the other driver I'm going to really want to speak about is Robert Kubica. And I really wonder why he is waiting on Williams. If they aren't already announcing him, it means that their decision is like probably not a sure shot one. Especially after reports that, you know, he, he had a sponsor he or he has had a sponsor boosting his chances by like $10 million or whatever the amount was. Yeah, I wonder why he doesn't just go drive in another series, uh, at least enjoying the racing and then, you know, just seeing where life takes him. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure Formula E would be super happy to have him. And uh, I think Nissan might have a last minute vacancy, honestly. (laughs) That's cheeky of you as well. Yes, Alexander Albon. Let's really see what comes out of it. There's a lot of news about it. I don't know if Brendan Hartley is going to be retained. Uh, he seems like a good guy, but maybe like Stoffel Van Doon, probably not too aggressive for Formula One. But you're absolutely right about Robert Kubica, at least in my view. I now hear that he might take up Kivat's test and reserve driver role at Ferrari. Basically, he's going to try Ferrari simulator, which means that we would actually finally find him in a Ferrari, just not the role that we would have all hoped uh, to see him in. I'm also going to talk about Ferrari's upgrades in the United States. Or actually, you know, it was their downgrades. Uh, (laughs) They're claiming that they removed four months of upgrades from their cars. And guess what? They still beat the Mercedes cars. I can say they finally beat the Mercedes cars because they've been... Yeah, I mean, I I still feel that there is some bit of psychological gameplay out here. I don't really think a four-month-old Ferrari would have beaten the latest spec Mercedes. But... You know, it could also probably be down to Mercedes uh, reverting to the old uh, old wheel rim design like we've been you know, hearing about it or reading about it in our case. Or in fact, even Pirelli increasing tire pressures just before the race in Austin. Uh, so honestly, Mexico is going to give us a far more clear picture of where this whole Ferrari versus Mercedes battle lies. And I know the, the championships are as good as over, but hey, I don't mind as long as they're all fighting till the very last lap. Unfortunately, we have to wait till Christmas to know what Force India's new name could be. Kunal, do you think they're going to go ahead with Racing Point Formula One team or something? (laughs) Well, that's what they're, you know, called right now. So I'm pretty sure that they're going to change it. And given how Lance Stroll prefers strolling to racing, they could just call it like strolling around Formula One team or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) But, you know, honestly, good on Force India to wait on Ocon's decision before announcing uh, Stroll's arrival in 2019. Yes, that's actually good. I mean, you know, it's being respectful or whatever towards Esteban Ocon. But in Abu Dhabi, Lance Stroll will be the happiest driver. He will finally get to race in the Force India, something that he's been probably dreaming about since like July this year. 
Right, so guys, it's time for our amazing and special What Wolf Said This Week section. So, Wolf said that Esteban Ocon will be in a good car in 2020 and that he guarantees that or something like that. Hmm. Well, I wonder if Mercedes feel like they've made some sort of a mistake by not offering Ocon a promotion for 2019. And like I've said before, Ocon could actually get a double promotion in 2020. Go from being like this test and reserve driver at Mercedes or wherever to like being the race driver for Mercedes. So. Yeah, I, I really liked how Valtteri Bottas took this piece of news. And he said that it's, it's in his hands basically to improve his performance next season. Yes, and next season is when Wolf thinks that Bottas is going to be the championship contender. Which, this also means that, uh, you know, if you were to take both these statements into account, what he said about Ocon and about Bottas, this means that Wolf is almost guaranteeing Mercedes' pace for 2019 and 2020. Oh, yeah. Also, Valtteri Bottas is the only top three team driver to not win a race this season. And this is that one single stat that would pinch him and all his fans all through the whole, you know, end of the season and into the winter. I, that's my feeling. And... Uh, if Fernando Alonso is to be believed, Charles Leclerc and Valtteri Bottas will not be allowed to fight for the championship in 2019. It is going to be Lewis Hamilton versus Sebastian Vettel all over again. And honestly, given Leclerc's talent and, you know, the whole freshness he's brought to Formula One, it would be a shame if what Alonso said comes true. It would be a shame, but Kunal, focus. We're here at the What Wolf Said This Week section. <laughs> so Wolf also said that the same generation that we're terming as Attention Limited is actually binge-watching shows on Netflix and other services. That's a good point. Yes, and Maurizio Riva ben said that Formula One is competing with the PlayStation or something to that effect. And I, I actually just remembered what Mark Webber said, though, and uh, especially about Ferrari. You know, he said that they need someone like a Christian Horner or a Toto Wolf to run the team. And I would actually take that a step further to say that Sebastian Vettel is actually missing a mentor in Ferrari. Uh, you know, he had one or probably even two at Red Bull Racing in Christian Horner or Helmut Marko. But maybe in Ferrari, he's just probably all by himself trying to figure out all these problems by himself. And this just reminds me when he said that I wish I could speak to Michael and get him, get some advice on how to run things at Ferrari. You know, he made a statement like that. And if I may draw a parallel, uh, this is similar to what Lewis Hamilton went through after Ron Dennis moved away from McLaren's Formula One operations as well. And uh, for Lewis Hamilton, we of course know that Nikki Lauda and even Toto Wolff are mentors for him to look up to at Mercedes. All of this just correlates with what David Coulthard said, that Vettel's comfort blanket is Red Bull racing. That was a very interesting yeah. analogy. Yeah, and I frankly think that Sebastian Vettel is probably tired. Uh, you know, Kunal, he needs a break, he needs to freshen up, reset, go hang out on the beach or something. And maybe for the first time, we're actually seeing a 21-race calendar take a toll on a driver. It's been a hard season. Yes, it's actually really tough to report on 21 races. So I can imagine what it might be to fight a championship that long. But uh, I also think that Vettel is probably preparing for the future of Formula One. You know, in case we have reverse grids, because he has had just so many of those recovery drives. Yeah, Max Verstappen too, to that yeah, list. Yeah, both those Red Bull prodigies for <laughs> that matter. But I'll tell you one list where uh, Vettel and Verstappen, again, the Red Bull prodigies stand out is off hitting other drivers. 
Vettel has hit Vettel has hit Hamilton in Italy he he hit Bottas in France he hit Verstappen in Japan he hit Ricardo he hit Ricardo in the USA and by this logic Kimi Raikkonen could very well be his next target no <laughs> but Vettel has spun each time he's taken the inside line and this is possibly the biggest indication that we need to get him on the inside line F1 podcast oh just make it happen kunal speak to your people in the paddock <laughs> well fingers crossed but maybe it's going to be a bit easier when he actually leaves Ferrari who knows but who knows? <laughs> oh, but Kimi Raikkonen also said that it's pointless to blame Vettel for his errors yes This is of course because we have Marcus Ericsson on the grid and we can just blame all crashes and spins onto Marcus Ericsson. Thank Ouch. you Roman Grosjean. <laughs> and if Sebastian Vettel has hit four drivers? No wait, he's actually hit like five drivers including himself because I'm taking his crash in Germany into account as well. Yeah yeah, the, by then that that logic uh Verstappen has taken it a step further because he's hit all the drivers in the top 6. including himself in Bahrain and several other races earlier in the season. Well, I also think that Max Verstappen hit out at Renault in uh the US Grand Prix as well. Yeah, I think he said something about Renault's plans for a new engine in 2019 or something. Yeah, I think uh, Helmut Marko said something like Max Verstappen and Red Bull Racing will be title contenders with Honda Power in 2019. Now, I really hope it happens. It would be brilliant for the sport and let me tell you a competitive Max Verstappen could very well be the challenger that Lewis Hamilton needs. I mean, who knows? Uh Hamilton could just walk saying, "Hey, I'm bored. Nobody's able to beat me." But, you know, a Max Verstappen challenge might just keep him that much more engaged. And Christian Horner uh, made a tall claim uh, after Austin He said that that the Honda powered Toro Rosso cars were roughly 6 tenths faster than the Renaults. Now this was classic Horner style because I don't think he gave an indication of how he measured this performance or whatever. Yeah, but I really hope the Red Bull Racing doesn't go the McLaren way. PR over performance. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they do, we will be right sure to poke make holes, jokes. make jokes, yeah. have fun, add humor, etc. But McLaren uh, have signed up Coca-Cola as a sponsor. It's a brilliant move for the team and for the sport because it's a fantastic global brand to have especially at a time when we all know sponsorships are difficult to come by. Uh not just for McLaren but you know for Formula 1 overall. But I really remember reading the headlines on uh one of the portals and it said something like McLaren agrees to a partnership with Coca-Cola. Now let's get real guys. I mean I'm pretty certain it was the other way around. It was Coca-Cola agreeing to partner with McLaren. Yeah, that's a good point let's, and I Let's think, be real. <laughs> I think it's a really good partnership, especially this whole happiness platform that uh, Coca-Cola has built its brand on. If McLaren does perform in 2019, Formula 1 will be happy. A lot of people will be happy. Absolutely. But, but but Fernando Alonso yeah. you know he's going to quit and then by the law Fernando Alonso McLaren is going to be a bit quicker next season i yeah. i think so yeah anyway there's always going to be a big if out there but okay up next is Lucian's moments in time section Lucian as you guys already know is a big formula 1 fan from australia he's a professional musician you can listen to his music on bandcamp but guys you've already listened to his music as the opening link of our show or the opening tune of our show so over to you Lucian welcome to moments in time on the inside line with Lucian Byfield 
Today, we talk about the Mexican Grand Prix. Mexico has a jaded and troubled history in running a Formula One race, be it crowd control in the late 60s to 1970, where bottles were thrown on the circuit, or to Jackie Stewart hitting a dog on track, notably the death of Mexican star Ricardo Rodriguez, and let's not forget the altitude with its subsequent thin air affecting not only humans, the engines too. The Mexican track has a history of being dangerous and bumpy, with pollution hitting an all-time high in 92. All of these factors have caused Mexico to offer a very on-and-off affair in modern times. There have been title deciders in the past. John Surtees won for Ferrari, Graham Hill won for Lotus, and also Lewis Hamilton last year won the title for Mercedes. Nigel Mansell has figured prominently over the years, from possibly being able to wrap up the title in 1986 only to get a stomach bug and fluff the start of the race, leaving Gerhard Berger to score his first win in the beautiful Benetton BMW by not pitting for tyres and Pirelli tyres to boot. In 1987, Mansell did win a two-part aggregate race, but it was a couple of years before he would really feature again. Enter 1990, a race won by Prost in a Ferrari after qualifying 13th, yet setting up the car so well that he came through the field, while Berger and Mansell tangled late in the race. Incensed, Mansell repassed Berger on the outside of the famous Peraltata corner to finish second, stealing the glory from the winner. In 1991, Ayrton Senna had a massive crash in practice at the Peraltata corner, ending upside down and being slightly injured. He raced and came third, but ironically it was Ricardo Patrese in the Williams beating the supposedly far superior Nigel Mansell in the other Williams. But Mansell made amends, and in 1992, in the worst smog seen in Mexico, Mansell dominated for another win. Senna was trounced by Prost in 1988 when they were first teammates, but in 1989 he got his revenge, lapping the professor to win the race. In 1992, Michael Schumacher got his first podium appearance, finishing third. We have seen three races in recent times, won by Nico Rosberg, Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Argy-bargy, podium disqualifications and on-track wheel banging and of course Vettel meltdowns have been some of the action we have seen so far. Lewis was a very lucky man in 2016 to be allowed to keep his win, having blatantly cut the first corner, but he didn't get a penalty of course. Hmm, that's becoming a trend. Anyway, to top it all off, that man again, Nigel Manson, hosting the podium in 2015, looking out to the Mexican crowd, says, wait for it, Viva America! <laughs> what a tool. <laughs> they fixed it for the video. He did say Viva Mexico after that. It was so funny. It's such a mansell thing to do. Anyway, that's it for Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. See you later. Thank you so much, Lucien. And, you know, even for the newer races, Lucien always has something interesting to remind us of. Yes. Anyway, so it's time for our predictions, Kunal. Go for it. I think I'm going to go, uh, you know, with a typical Formula One Grand Prix weekend, especially because, you know, it's like Friday practice is not going to be washed out. Or if it's washed out, it's going to be fun. So Hamilton is going to be world champion this weekend. I can definitely predict that. But do you know if it's going to be his fifth or his sixth world championship? Because I know that Chase Carey doesn't. <laughs>
Well, I know I really wonder how Chase Carey missed that. And I, I hope he was joking. Anyway, I hope to see uh, a Ferrari win. Some momentum towards them towards the end of 2018 will definitely offer us and the Scuderia a lot of hope for 2019. And I would like to see Sebastian Vettel win, but a Kimi Raikkonen pole because, hey, his son needs that pole position <laughs> tire. Yeah, and if Kimi Raikkonen gets pole, and actually I have full faith that he'll do it, it'll just confirm my belief that Ferrari is now replacing Raikkonen at the worst possible moment. And, you know, in, in that case, I'd love to see a Kimi Raikkonen win as well, followed by whatever else. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Kunal, I must share this with you. I read this really heartwarming story in Raikkonen's biography, one of how he played plumber for Ferrari in the pre-season tests in 2017. Uh, it seems that the toilet wasn't properly working in the Ferrari bus and Raikkonen asked for the tools and he fixed it himself. Very cool. That's actually very, very typical Nordic. I mean, I've spent about 15, 18 months in this part of the world and I think, I'm sure you'll agree that it's very yeah. typical Nordic of Kimi Raikkonen. Okay, so closing notes. Uh, I still remember Daniel Ricardo's American accent and it's so difficult to not love his attitude and I won't use the word like. You know, his attitude, his personality. Is there something Daniel Ricardo can't do? Well, Kunal, at this point, it seems like he can't finish races these days. <laughs> He's had like, what, seven retirements this season? Uh, actually, though, I also remember seeing a video on social media of uh, Ricardo playing basketball and he was pretty good at it. Well, I'll tell you what, Renault will need a bigger budget for their car and for their social media efforts if they want to utilize Ricardo's talent and popularity <laughs> absolutely perfectly. <laughs> yeah. So finally, to include what Ross Braun said about football in Formula One. So he said that the perfect game of football could, you know, result in like a 0-0 draw. But in Formula One, the simulations that result in perfect strategy just lead to really boring races. And that's a damn interesting observation. But what's football again? On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We will be back in the week after the Mexican Grand Prix. Adiós.